Welcome to High on the Hog with Merrill Schindler and co-hosts Joanna Belson and Janice Hardoon. This is a podcast about all things cannabis. Tune in every week as Merrill, Joanna, and Janice discuss the medical benefits of CBD and THC products with each other, as well as with informed guests from the cannabis industry and the lawmakers who regulate it. Enjoy the show. You know, most people who use cannabis, medical cannabis, which is the the point of this show, probably think that, um, you know, that the plant just kind of like pops up. People are walking by the side of the road. There's a there's a there's a nice um, a nice plant. I mean, they do call it weed. Right. And uh, it's not true. I mean, especially these days, it's cultivated. It's cultivated by people who understand the business. And that's that brings us to Dr. Rob Flannery of Dr. Rob's, um, a man with a PhD in certified technical and, and with certified technical expertise in growing commercial cannabis. You're a farmer. Yeah, essentially, I'm I'm just a. It's a, a fancy term for a farmer. I'm just a fancy a doctor farmer. Doctor farmer. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, you don't just pop the seed in the ground and water it and go away for a while? Uh, no, there's there's a lot more to it than just that. Uh, you know, First of all, thank you so much for having me here. I sincerely appreciate it. Oh, I'm honored and humbled. Um, but yeah, you know, you, you can just take a seed and pop it in the ground and let it grow. But, uh, um, you know, there's uh, this thing called Sensimilla, or Sensimilla uh, uh, cannabis. And basically what that's in reference to is really high quality product. And, yeah. you know, um, it, it's just in reference to without seeds, right? And so cannabis... When it grows naturally in the wild, it's a wind-pollinated plant, and uh, once it starts, uh, gets, once it has a pollination event, THC production, cannabinoid production, terpene production ceases, and all the energy, um, all as we like to call as nerds or the carbon allocation models, all the carbon is allocated towards the the next generation and that seed, and so the, the THC is a 21 carbon molecule. It's expensive to make, and you know we're going to take that carbon and move it into that seed, and so in the wild. You have seed production, right? You don't want that in in, in a, a medical grade cannabis. You want, you know, these are, you know, lack of uh, better terms, these are sex-starved, you know, female plants that uh, are just going to start. Producing I know a few seeds. of those. Yeah, yeah I've, I've met them here and there. And uh, but yeah, that's what that's what makes a higher quality. Also, is, male plants, you know, very yeah. sex-starved. Let me tell you. <laughs> well, we yeah, in, in 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 cannabis, we don't want those male plants unless we're doing breeding. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, cannabis has male and female plants, very much like us, and yeah, they actually have X and Y chromosomes as well. They, they don't have like secondary sexual characteristics, so they little, well, little yeah, plant, they, they plant, have, plant peckers. Uh, they have they have male flowers and female flowers. So <laughs> I guess yes. Yes, you with a PhD because you really are Doctor Rob. It's not just an honorarium there. That is um, correct. Pro- probably, Although I have to say real quick, my mother-in-law um, wishes I was a real doctor. That's what she has said. Um, she said, you know, I wish we had a doctor in the family. My wife said, well, Robbie's a doctor. She's like, no, no, no. I mean a real doctor. Is she Jewish? Uh, she is not. She's one hundred percent Spanish, though. <laughs> Sounds like something my mother would say. That's the only reason. I'm Got, asking. Gotcha. No worries. <laughs> I mean, it's. You know, they call it weed. Mm-hmm. Does it grow like a weed? I mean, it's the sort of thing that once it starts growing, you really can't do much about it. it you, you've got to use your Roundup and give yourself um, some type <laughs> of cancer. Um, you know, is is this a very easy plant to, to grow? It is a very easy plant to grow. It is a difficult plant to grow very, very well. 
Um, and so that is, that's the big difference. Anyone can grow. Like everyone should be growing in my opinion. I think everyone should be uh, growing this in their backyards if you legally can do so. Um, and it's not that difficult to grow. However, if you really want high quality uh, product where the, you know, it's dried and cured perfectly. Um, you know, cannabis needs to be dried and cured. You just can't pick the flower off and smoke it. You know, it's vast majority of that volume right there is actually water. So it's hard to burn water. Um, but at the same time, you need to dry it and cure it. And there's a lot to it than, other than just throwing some seeds in the ground and, you know, harvesting in two months. Now, are there people out there? I assume there are. This is another dumb question. Because I know very little <laughs> about the cultivation of mm-hmm. who have like, it's like wheat fields, like mm-hmm. acres and acres and acres. It just goes off into the hills, off into the distance. Mm-hmm. It's not just the little patch hidden away under a tree behind, so that, that the uh, the helicopters don't see it. Yeah, we are seeing that more and more in a sense of uh, you know very large cultivation, and, and, and especially for industrial hemp. Um, you know, there is an aspect to cannabis, medical cannabis for smoking, that has a visual appeal. And so you you do it does require some level of labor in actually physically touching the plant and manipulating the plant to get that look that that a lot of people like. And it has to be trimmed and has to, you know there's a lot to it. But uh, industrial hemp, they're just using that for either seed production or you know CBD production and things along those lines. You can grow that in massive fields and you just have a thresher come through and harvest it all real quickly. Um, however, medical grade cannabis, top shelf cannabis. It's it's rather difficult to grow on that that scale um, without uh, really compromising the quality. And are there parts of the country where things like, I mean, back in the day, you'd go to, you know, you go to Hawaii, and they would say, uh, you know, when you're hiking along the, yeah. the Kalau Trail in Kauai, don't 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 go off the trail, man. They're, they're busy growing their weed up there, and they've got AK-47s. Yeah. So they'll shoot you. Yeah, uh, you know, I I you assume in Hawaii everything <laughs> grows so well. Well, you know, in, in one thing that Hawaii has is, that's fantastic is the weather spectacular. Obviously, you know, cannabis is uh, you know it grew up in a or grew up evolved, I should say, in a, in a climate that is a little bit warmer. Um, it doesn't it can take heat, but it doesn't want too much heat. But cold is is something that it doesn't want to have and and um uh but you know going to hawaii it's also rather humid yeah and cannabis is susceptible to fungal infections specific specifically botrytis and powdery mildew um you know botrytis can can wipe out a crop an entire crop uh so humidity tends not to be a, a, a you know a good thing for cannabis and and on top of that um you know terpene production and terpenes are the compounds that give the flavors and the aromas uh, to cannabis, terpene production is uh, enhanced when the plant has a little bit of a water stress. And so in drier climates, uh, you, ha- you see more terpene production. And mind you, THC is a diterpene. It's just another terpenoid. So the same biosignal pathways that are triggered d- due to a water stress that increase the terpene uh, content of the plant are also being triggered to produce more THC and other cannabinoids. Technically, what was your doctorate actually in? Okay, you ready for this? Yes. Here we go. I have a PhD in plant biology with an emphasis in environmental horticulture and a specific expertise in hydroponic crop optimization for cut flower production in controlled environment agriculture from UC Davis, which I'm... <laughs> Son of a... I, I can repeat that too if yeah. you want. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Jace, who's uh, our you chief... You had to growth... memorize it at chief, as chief growth officer. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and everyone on our staff knows how to... So we did like the whole, you know, the beginning of this... <laughs> the, the beginning of the Simpsons episode where Bart Simpson has to write on the chalkboard, you know, we just had everyone write right. that out. Yeah, oh, 
that's amazing. That's I love it. Robbie, you should tell some some of your own off the beaten path stories for some of the farms that you've. Oh visited. gosh. Okay. So you know, cannabis now the world we live in 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 the, in the regulated world of cannabis, it's, it's a very different uh, world than what we historically have seen. And so, you know, the Emerald Triangle, which uh, everyone's heard of, right? right. The Emerald Triangle is just in reference to the three counties in Northern California where historically cannabis has been has been grown. So, you know, Emerald, uh, Emerald Triangle is Trinity County, Humboldt County, and Mendocino County. And, uh, you know, so we've all seen the documentary or well, docu-series or however you want to call it, Murder Mountain. Um, those things actually do, did and do still happen. Um, and uh, I was able to go to a, a mountain that's literally a, a stone's throw away from Murder Mountain, and it's called Spy Rock. And it's, uh, it's, it has this tremendous history of cultivators that have been there for decades. You know, people who have been growing since, you know, I've, you know, I've met this one gentleman who, who's been growing on the same property since 1977. And, you know, he's saying, like, I... I, he's, he retired now, but uh, he's like, yeah, I've, I've got $500,000 of cash buried in my backyard. It's, I, you know, I want to get out of the game. This was right before regulations really came in, um, came into play. Uh, but up there, there is one road on and off the, the mountain. And the farmer, there's about, I think it's around 70-ish or so farms are up this one road. It's something along those lines. And, and it's very like a Hatfield-McCoy type of situation and where... If there is a feud on the mountain, it stays on the mountain. And the way they determine, they make that, make sure that's the case, is the the owner of the farm on the very base of that road has a semi truck that he, you know, went, if someone if there's an issue, someone will sound off an air horn, and he will take that semi truck and drive it across the road so no one can get in or yeah. off the mountain. And you had to you had to uh, make sure everything was good, uh, otherwise he won't move that truck. And so it's very, very old school. And, you know, these are, these are people who, um, who lived there their entire lives. In fact, one of the growers I was talking to, had a, he was born on the farm. His umbilical cords were what was cut with pruning shears, you know, that they're used to prune the plants. You know, it's, it's, these, are, these are groups of people who this is their passion, their livelihood. And you are not very likely to see someone more passionate about this plant than going if, if he's been growing since 1977 in the same patch don't the black helicopters know where he is it's it is very remote you know okay. it is um i mean obviously they they do and at that point when i had it was talking to him he was licensed by the the, the local county and things along those okay. lines and so but back um, in the day he wasn't back in the day he wasn't um he's been he'd been growing there for I and mean, he told some horrible terror you know horrible stories of uh you know a, a week or two a couple days before harvest where uh they he would get caught and, and when he gets caught he runs into the mountains and they cool. just come down and take everything away well spray with with the paraquat they you know they, they it's, it's typically what they do is they would uh cut it down and burn it okay that's typically what they do because they don't want they don't want to poison around, people, people are yeah. like going wow Oh, yeah. Look at the colors, man! Wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that wildfire smells a little different. It makes me feel a little different right now. But yeah. Um, so how is it, well, how did the transition work from straight mm-hmm. plant plant husbandry mm-hmm. to maybe a little bent? 
<laughs> so in other words, are you asking how did I go from working doing PhD research at the University of California to working on with cannabis? sycamore trees? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how did you how did you transfer well, I, into I, aside from it being you know perhaps perhaps you're a hobbyist? Yeah, everyone has a good story. Yeah, so. no, of course. So I you know I granted this is a podcast or podcast I should say and. Uh, you know, your audience can't really see what I look like, but uh, for everyone in the room right now, I, you can tell that I'm a rather large guy. I'm a, I'm a big dude, and I played football in college. You're fit. Yeah. I, you're fit. I'm pleasantly plump. I, I like I'm big, I'm big boned. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, so, I, you know, I was number nine. on hashtag. Thank <laughs> you. Pleasantly plump. Or <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I always like to say I was number 99 in the field, but number one in your heart. And so I played football <laughs> at UC Davis. And, you know, NC2A sees THC as a banned substance or has as a banned substance. So I never used it playing football because I wanted to play. Um, very successful in my, my football career. But after that was done, I, I was recruited directly into the PhD program at UC Davis as well. Um, and uh, I, at that time, I was still under that, that lie, under the assumption of, you know, that we've been lied to for so many decades that cannabis makes you stupid. Um, I think everyone here knows that that's not the case, but I was still under that assumption. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm working on my, towards my PhD. I, I need to have my wits about me. And um, so I never used it. And then, but during my PhD time, you know, University of California, Davis is a public university, and we'd have people come on to the, 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 the campus all the time. And, and we had people come into the greenhouses we're doing this research, because you know, we're doing cutting edge hydroponic research. And uh, we always have growers from all walks of life uh, ask us questions while we're in those greenhouses. And we always had a group of people that we knew exactly what they were growing. Um, and, you know, more than happy to help because academics see cannabis as just another plant. This is another subject to study. It's, you know, it's nothing crazy about it. Um, so we'd have a bunch of people come in and you know, start asking questions and, you know, my, my graduate advisor and I would, would always say like, well, would you like us to visit your farm? We could help you out. And they're like, oh, no, 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 please, please don't come to my farm. <laughs> and, um, you know, we'd always ask, well, what crop are you growing? And they'd, they'd usually hesitate. And then for some reason, I haven't heard it since, but during my PhD program, I heard a lot of people say they're growing French basil, which doesn't exist. <laughs> um, so, uh, I mean, I, I'm assuming basil grown in France, you can call that French basil, but there's nothing fundamentally That's funny. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I always kind of knew in the back of my mind that, skunk you know, weed. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's going to be, there's a possibility for cannabis in my future, especially because what my PhD research was on was, was so instrumental to what cannabis cultivation is. And um, so, or, or can be, you know, there's many ways to grow cannabis, but uh, but you know, I, I got into the the real world after academia and was was working at a, a startup company in Silicon Valley. And uh, I had a friend who said, "Hey, there's this um, job description you might want to look at." And I look at it and it's, uh, for a production manager position at Spark in San Francisco. And Spark is a uh, one I'd say considered one of the top tier dispensaries mm -hmm. in in the state. Um, and, uh, and at the time, it was just mind blowing what they were doing compared to all other dispensaries. And uh, so I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to go for this position. And so I, I walk into this interview. Um, they they informed me that uh, I was unique in the fact that I was wearing a suit to an interview. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, it was an interview where it was basically being I was being asked questions that you would see in a horticulture 101 course. And you know, if I, this is what I'm technically trained in. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm do this, do that, and blah blah. blah. Eventually, towards the end of the, 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 
the interview, the, the owner and founder of Spark, a gentleman by the name of Eric Pearson, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for, he just he stood up and slammed his hand on the, the desk and says, just just hire him, I gotta go. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, the executive director, um, Robert Jacob, gives me a call the next day and says, hey, um, just wanna let you know that uh, we're gonna be giving you an offer, however, we think you are overqualified for a production manager position. So we've created a production director position. And, and so I oversaw every single aspect of production at Spark. And, um, you know, granted, I was standing on the shoulders of giants. Um, and I, I, I say that to this day, uh, but I uh, was very successful there and, and, and grew some, some pretty good cannabis. So back in the day for, uh, you know, old stoners like me, yeah. you know, it was Kulyakon garbage. Yeah. You know, you, you, bought, um, you bought the ounce for 15, you bought mm-hmm. the, the, the little baggie for five, mm-hmm. you know, for a couple bucks extra. I, I, I or somebody else would roll it up for people because they couldn't figure out how to roll it. Yeah. And you know, I used to say one joint equals one beer. Mm-hmm. And that was a light beer at that. <laughs> um, and then something happened. And then it started, you know, uh, you guys, mm-hmm. <laughs> American know-how got involved. And suddenly it was it was a case of beer. <laughs> and then it was a truckload of beer. And it was like a lot of us stopped using for a while because yeah. it was too strong. Yeah. You got down to the one-toke joint. And it was like, well, this isn't as much fun as it used to be. Mm-hmm. I can't relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, this was before you signed on for this, right? That yes. it started growing like that. Yes, for and sure. This can was... I assume that thanks to guys like you, <laughs> the growth has been um, logarithmic since then in terms of quality, in terms of focusing the mm-hmm. terpenes, focusing the usages, focusing recreational versus... Um, versus medical, mm-hmm. um, it, it's uh, this is this is real laboratory stuff. Well, you know, you know, a lot of the breeders they ha- they're underground as well, and so um, you know, I always will say we are standing on the shoulders of giants. The people who came before us did some amazing things. Um, now I'm guessing you're what 35 years old or something like that, Meryl? Yeah, well, that I, I, roughly, I'm going to be 36. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, so this is before your time as well, but. Uh, you know, back in the, the 60s, 70s, we typically saw cannabis, um, you know, testing around 2 to 4% THC content. You know, I, we, we see cannabis regularly testing in, in the 20s now, and, yeah. and, and you see it every once in a while in the 30s, um, which is mind-blowing to think that, you know, when you, when you go to a dispensary and you buy an eighth of cannabis, and that, that is, let's say it did test at 30%, and it's uniform throughout that entire set of flowers, um, one third, roughly one third of the weight of that flower is THC. That's mind blowing. Yeah. Um, but you know, so and delicious and delicious. You know, but for some folk, you know, THC can cause anxiety, and if you have too much, and and a lot of people said like cannabis back in the day, I never used to feel this anxiety that I now feel. And um, part of the reason why that is is when you know THC was the first cannabinoid that that we truly identified, and so that was the the. This is the cannabinoid that we're going to focus on. Um, you know, there's 113 known cannabinoids, and some people argue that there are more. University of British Columbia just may have discovered another 21. So there's hundred, you know, over a hundred cannabinoids, and we primarily focus on only two of them. But for the longest time, we only focused on one, and that was THC. And so the breeders, when they were breeding for you know higher yields and higher potency, they were focused on THC. And so if you can imagine, a plant has a 
a plant budget, right? And we, like we were talking about earlier, that carbon allocation model. So carbon is what plants use for for sugar for money, basically. And so the sugar that's what they they do to get things accomplished inside the plant. And once again, THC is a twenty one carbon molecule. It's expensive for that plant to make. And so um, if I start uh, breeding and genetically forcing the plant to make and create more THC, well, that carbon has to come from somewhere. It's not just it's like, okay, well, we've got excess carbon, we're going to make this THC. It has to come from somewhere else. And typically what we saw is a downregulation of the, the other cannabinoids. And so if you were to go back and, you know, go back to, you know, I'm going to say 1987, just because I, I'm pretending like, you know, if you go back in the 60s and 70s, and let's say you go to a, a dealer on the street and you take that flower and then you would come back to this time and test it, you're looking at cannabis that's going to have THC content, you know, 2 to 4%, but you're also going to see CBD that's going to be at 2 to 4%. You're also going to see THCV that's at 2 to 4%. You're going to see CBG, you're going to see CBC, you're going to see all these different cannabinoids that are roughly the same amount in, in, as THC. And so you had a much more, um, it's a, a much different feel because, you know, CBD is an antagonist to THC. And so you're less likely to feel that anxiety. And that's why if you're overdosing you on THC, you take some CBD. E exactly right. You know, so that's ex honestly, that's very true. And, and there's actually physiology behind that. And so the, uh, you know, now granted, I'm not a, a real doctor, like I said, I'm a plant physiologist, not a, a human physiologist, but I do know a little thing or two about human physiology. The, um, the, we have these receptors called the CB1, CB2 receptors, right? And the CB1 receptor is what THC binds to. And this is found in your brain. Um, interestingly enough, it's not found on the part of the brainstem that controls your breathing or your heart rate. And, and that's why, you know, you can't really overdose on, on cannabis because it's not, unlike opiates, you stop breathing, right? Um, but mm -hmm. uh, with, with cannabis, you know, THC uh, will bind to that CB1 receptor. And CBD... Is, I'm going to use a really nerdy term if you don't mind me uh, right now. CBD acts as a what's called a negative allosteric modifier of the CB1 receptor. I said that just to spoil my wife. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, what, what is, did she say back to you? <laughs> yeah, she she told me where to put it. <laughs> but so so what does that mean? <laughs> so so what does that mean that? That CBD is this negative allosteric modifier of the CB1 receptor. Basically, you know, the, the receptor is sitting here and it's ready for THC to bind to it. And THC just keeps on binding to the active site. Well, CBD comes and binds to it elsewhere. Not on the active site, but on allosteric means different location, right? Different location. So, and then it closes up that active site a little bit. So THC has more difficulty binding to the CB1 receptor. And um, but in, in in concert together, CBD and THC have you know a fantastic effect. Which we on have said on the air numerous times yeah. that CBD by itself is is good, but yeah. with some THC, yeah. it's like it's it's jet fuel. It's really yeah. it does so much more. By the way, we have to give a, a shout out to hmm. at least a couple of, of of things. One is I guess Dr. Mashulam in in Israel mm -hmm. who really discovered all this. Yes. You know, there's a lot more being discovered, but if I'm correct, the endocannabinoid system was his in Israel? I, oh or gosh. may have been. I think it may have been triggered by him, but don't quote me on that. But okay. the endocannabinoid system is the last, you know, physiological system that we discovered yeah. In, yeah. in our in But our I, know, I know, you know, Israel yeah. does all the research oh, yeah, that we don't do. 
We definitely don't do. Well, that yeah, is right. starting to change. Well, about time. About I time. um I have a you know a little nepotism going on, but uh, my alma mater, UC Davis, is uh, has announced that they are creating the Cannabis Research Institute. Wonderful. And um, they are the cr- Dr. Rob Cannabis Research uh, Institute. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> not even close. I no. Well, I, I I'm humbled that, that that you would say that, but I. I, I think no. it sounds good. <laughs> Interestingly, um, I was at a seminar on on um, cannabis and cancer mm-hmm. at uh, UCLA, mm-hmm. and one of the doctors made a point that UCLA uh, is restricts mm-hmm. any donations from cannabis companies yeah. for the research, which seemed to be awfully stupid. Yeah, awfully stupid. The other uh, shout out to do, give is uh, a. a Bunch we've had on the show twice now, mm-hmm. which is the people from um, endocannahealth.com, mm-hmm. where they do a DNA analysis of how you react. Um, and it seemed to me to be fairly close to the truth mm-hmm. in terms of the paranoia they spoke of for me, the anxiety and so forth. It was like, well, that's pretty we much true. We all did the reports and Len came yeah. back and helped us interpret them. Which and was it, really was, cool. it was that's interesting. Great. That's really it was, cool. It was interesting. So it was like, you know, it gave me more than um, interest gave me, which was, let me know that I'm from Eastern European Ashkenazi. <laughs> it was like, tell me something I don't know, guys. <laughs> yeah. so, okay. so how does that work? So so they, they come it's back swab. and they... Okay, and then, swab. Okay. And then what send do they tell swab you? in, and they send you an analysis that's quite detailed. And because of the show, they came back in to tell us what the analysis meant. Mm-hmm. But it was fairly obvious what the analysis meant. It was, you know, I mean, they have a, like a little... You have it there. They have like yeah, a little. We actually have it left. They over. have like a little meter that. Um, it's read better online, but um, you can kind of just. But get they have a like feel a little meter what. for each each element in it, and our our responses were decidedly different. Um, in terms of you being in the, in the heart of the industry right now, mm-hmm. um, th- things are getting stronger. Things are getting different. Mm-hmm. Things are. I mean, there's a point at which. Stronger will just have people like zombieing out. Yeah, we saw forty percent THC uh, cannabis flower on the shelf about a week ago, uh, and we didn't believe it. I mean, it's yeah. It's that, well, what is this like? Like that hot sauce thing, <laughs> like the Scoville system, where yeah. it, it just found there was the winner right now. I think is two point six million <laughs> yeah. Scoville yeah. units. Yeah, yeah. And so you got to see that like a um, anything named uh, the Carolina uh, Reaper pepper. A, ha- a jalapeno is like. Maybe five thousand. Yeah. So this is that much bigger. It's basically you could. Well, there have been people who have been sent to the hospital. You could stop breathing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the same can be true of super strong cannabis. Well, well it just will not. You know, there's a there's a yeah. limit to what our science may be able to create it, but our bodies can't can't use it. So there is. So have you heard the term LD fifty by chance? Uh, that's that government thing where they were like <laughs> um, overthrowing governments, wasn't it? <laughs> no, no, no okay. not quite. Um, LD50 is in reference to... So if if you're a scientist and you, you're looking at the, what is the acute toxicity of a compound or an element, you use this term LD50. LD50 stands for lethal dose, where 50% of a sample right. population were to die off from that lethal dose. And so, you know, this is something that's very regularly used. We we understand what the LD50 is for things that are very toxic, cyanide and arsenic. They have very low LD50s. But something, you know, we know what the LD50 is for, like, sugar, for salt, for water. You can die from drinking too much water because it, it causes kidney failure. Yeah, you could drown. Yeah. Literally, you drown. And uh, we do not know what the LD50 is for cannabis. And I've heard some people assume that's around 150,000 grams, which is more than my body weight. 
Um, kudos to you if you can consume more than my body weight in cannabis, but uh, um, we don't really know what that is. We don't know what the LD50 is of cannabis. Um, essentially, you you just pass out and go to sleep. Um, um, uncomfortably. Un uncomfortably. You can be uncomfortably high. Because it's uh, you know one of the things that cannabis does is it slows down thought processes and so all the sensations you're feeling, it's you know you're not able to perceive it fast I mean, will enough. Will you stop and, breathing at some point? No. Does it affect um, any of the, the the basic systems that we need? So sometimes cannabis can increase your heart rate, but that's typically a function of cannabis. Cannabis is a vasodilator, right? Or, or can act as a vasodilator, and uh, you know if your blood pressure drops because of that your heart rate will increase but that's not because of a direct influence of the cannabis it's more of an indirect um but it doesn't affect your breathing and so you know essentially cannabis is less acutely toxic than water is um you know and so that's one of the things that's nice about cannabis in, in, in a function of there are so many different medicinal uh, aspects to the plant you know once again how many cannabinoids are there how many terpenes are there and and we just recently realized that uh probably the active ingredient in a lot of the tumor killing uh, properties of, can of cannabis is actually a flavonoid. So not even a terpene um, that just happens to be found in cannabis. And do so, remember that, I mean, there's a difference between, you know, lethal, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you wake up dead mm -hmm. um, versus uh, just really being uncomfortable. Like I mentioned the other day, mm -hmm. I, I, had, I had popped a little candy and didn't realize it was five milligrams when usually I take 2.5. Mm -hmm. That doesn't seem like a big difference but I was definitely uncomfortable. Yeah. I was definitely lying in bed going, oh, I wish I hadn't. Oh, God, I wish I hadn't. And it was really like having that that one martini too many. Yeah, absolutely. You go, what was I thinking? Oh, God. <laughs> so I got, I got a good story about this then. My, um, my brother-in-law is a police officer, and one of his uh, uh, fellow officers had to do an early retirement because of uh, he had some back issues. And basically... Um, you know, this is a police officer who's you know usually very active. Unfortunately, now he's yeah. he's not doing all that well. He has a lot of pain he has to deal with. Um, doctors said we can perform a surgery, but I'm going to give you about a 50-50 chance that you may be paralyzed, you know, from yeah. the waist down. And so he made the decision that he didn't want to chance it, and he would cope with the pain. And uh, so I said, well, let him know that if he needs to try some medicine, some cannabis, I'm more than willing to to offer him some. And he said, well, I don't want any smokes, or I don't want to smoke it, I don't want to vape it, and I just want to eat it. And I'm like, okay, perfect. And I give him a, a chocolate bar, and this particular chocolate bar had 12 doses in it. Yeah. And I told him, I said, listen, this entire bar is 12 doses. You do not want to take 12 doses. You want to take a small amount, wait for 30 minutes, 60 minutes, maybe even up to two hours before you can potentially feel the effects. And then, you know, after that point, if you still need some more, feel free to take some more, but take a little bit. And uh, so, you know, he did not follow my advice, let's just say. And, oh, it's tasty chocolate. It, it mean, is very tasty chocolate. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Kiva Confections. That's what I yeah. gave him was a Kiva Confections bar. And, uh, and uh, so he ended up, uh, he took a little piece and 30 minutes went by. And he's like, okay, I'm not feeling anything. And uh, eventually he consumed the entire bar. And, uh, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, we... Uh, I, what I heard, his wife said that he came home, or she came home to him in the bedroom, in the fetal position, completely naked, asleep. Yeah. And uh, she's like, what are you doing? And he, like, he was completely disoriented. And that's because 
Yeah. You know, he consumed 12 doses. How many hours do you think that would take to wear off? You know, it's Hard. one of those things where people say it's, uh, you know, 12 hours, you know, yeah. just sleep it off type of thing. But, you know, you'll wake up probably still a little bit Yeah, I mean, medicated. at least he didn't paint himself blue and, and climb yeah. a tree. You know, it could get much worse. But I'll, I'm, I'm, that's not an uncommon thing. No. I'm remember. not allowed to give anybody edibles uh, no. ever again. Yeah. My you'll remember that happened me. to your mother. Yeah. Yes, someone she, I don't feel anything. Oh, wow. I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. I gave her a little banana bread. She wanted more. I gave her more. Next thing I know, I'm sleeping on the couch. My husband wakes me up. He's like, your mother's unconscious on the bathroom floor. We couldn't move her. Uh, who painted her blue? No, <laughs> But I had to call my dad the next morning, explain things. But everything turned out fine. It was just, you know, she. Yeah. it's the kiss, the classic case of, yeah. I don't feel it yet. You yeah, know? exactly. And, you just, yeah. and at that point, yeah. you, just, you just sleep it off. Take some CBD. Yeah, honestly. Uh, if I mean, or, the or, good news or is I don't move, right? or get up and move. We, yeah. we have a really interesting story about like one of the first large team dinners we did, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, one of our business partners that we won't name. Uh, <laughs> uh, there was a vape bar. It was a cannabis party, so he took a big hit uh, off a of vape pen at the party and then we went and had dinner and mm-hmm. as we're sitting down at dinner his eyes are just closing very very, very <laughs> one short. hit from the vape pen one hit from the vape one pen. Yeah, that's it was, pretty it was a large hit it was yeah it was a i think it was a live resin wasn't it or was that uh, yeah that was me oh that's uh, yeah, never mind. Sorry. that's still so what I, happened so we had a business dinner with a new distributor and we were at a steakhouse and our business partner sat there for two hours with a grin on his face, staring at a steak while we ate. <laughs> he couldn't eat. He couldn't eat. And so finally, Robbie yeah. was like, you got to get up and move. Let's just, let's, yeah, let's just walk around. And like, you know, we took him to the restroom, washed his hands, put some water on his face, and he comes back and he's, he's doing good. But, uh, you know, he said, he's he like. He just got like stuck in a trance. Well, he, he said that, he's like, I was sitting there staring at that steak. And he's like, in my mind. I ate that steak a thousand times. I was cutting it up, and it was, it was At so least succulent. The steak didn't start <laughs> running around the table, yeah, correct? You know, calling him names. Yes. At which point you had the, the vegan um, realization, you know, a little come to Jesus moment for for, for about never meat. go to the hospital. We always say that. Yeah, it's just yeah. just sleep it off. Drink um, some water. We yeah. we keep these two, you know, about thirty minutes, which we're we're, we're well past because you're amazing. <laughs> I'm really enjoying every minute of this. I appreciate and, that, and would love sure. to have you again. But I do, I, you know, from what we were just discussing here, yes. I know we barely even scratched the surface of, mm-hmm. oh, your products. Tell people about your products before I ask you this question. For sure. So we have, well, I can go on, on, on. Okay. How long do I have? Because I can keep on going. Um, the, the first product that we came to market with is a set of pre-rolls. And I named it uh, basically after my grandfather. So my, my grandfather, um, this is on my mom's side. Uh, he was an immigrant from the island of Malta in the Mediterranean Sea, and he came over when he was uh, in his late teens to the United States. And at that time, World War II broke out, and there was a, a you know he wanted to become an American citizen, so to become an American citizen, join the army. It was an automatically become an American yeah. citizen when he joined the army. Um, he ended up uh, being a paratrooper in the 101st Airborne, and he actually ended up being one of the paratroopers uh, landing in Normandy on D-Day. He uh, he was also one of the paratroopers that landed about 20 miles behind the enemy lines and they had to fight his way back. And on his way back, wow. he, uh, he got into a firefight with uh, some you know, Nazi soldiers and, and uh, a Nazi, a German grenade uh, landed right next to him and it ended up actually severing his arm. And the last thing he says he remembered seeing before he got knocked out by the blast was watching his, his right arm fly over his head as he flew oh. backwards. Um, he came to, mind you, his arm severed at this point. He came to 
to uh, German soldiers ransacking. They took his pocket watch, his rifle, and his boots. And so he played dead while this happening. Mind you, once again, his arm is severed. Um, but uh, then he saw American boots running by after a handful of minutes. And so he calls out for help. They come and pack it, you know, bandage him up. Uh, he grabs a pistol and fights his way back to the front lines. And they get back to the front lines. And he's like, you know, I'm going to get those sons of bitches who stole my pocket watch. And they're like, no, 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 you're done. <laughs> like, you're literally missing an arm. Um, but he was so proud of what he did for his, you know, for his new country, um, everything that he'd accomplished. He got a huge American eagle tattooed across his wow. chest. And the 101st Airborne, they're the Screaming Eagles. And so we have a pack of pre-rolls that we call Doc Rob Farms Eagle in honor so of him. you do pre-rolls, um, mm-hmm. otherwise known as joints. joints yes. <laughs> <laughs> joints. Uh, that, that's an interesting euphemism. Yeah. Um, and, um, and you also do edibles. Which is more popular? Well, it, you know, it really depends. These, these are very different uh, products. So we have a, a microdosing tablet that's a CBD and THC tablet made from a whole plant extracted, uh, uh, you know, Extractions, but it's not mint or anything like that. It's just a no. It's meant for like a, a tablet you would take in the morning, like with right. your multivitamin. You know, right. you drink it with water type of thing. And you know, th- I made this for my mom. It's called Mom's Formula. So I my, have it. you know, thank you. It's, it's for moms, right? Yeah. But you know, mother's little helper. Exactly, and, and and dads. Little helper. And, and it is for dads as well. And the reason why it's called Mom's Formula is because I made it for my mom. She was uh, diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer. She's currently cancer free, so we're good Amazing. on that front. But um, when she was diagnosed with breast cancer, you know, she called me to let me know this, this, you know, her diagnosis. And at the time, I was actually in the dry cure space at Spark in San Francisco, literally surrounded by a ton of weed. And uh, I said, well, mom, I can get you access to cannabis. And she says, that's totally fine, but I don't want to smoke. I don't want to vape. I only want edibles. And here I am thinking to myself, like, okay, I've seen what people are putting on these plants outside of what we do at Spark. They're turning this medicine to poison by using plant growth regulators and pesticides. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I can't give her any of my stuff because it's all meant for smokables. I'm going to have to go source an edible. And I'm thinking to myself, am I about to poison my mom? Well, that was really the birth of Doc Rob Farms in general. But uh, after she went through a chemo and radiation, she had two bouts of surgery to remove tumors as well. Um, she now had PTSD and anxiety because as you know, someone has triple negative breast cancer, she's very likely to get it again. Yeah. And so she has to be screened, I think it's every three months, um, you know, and, and she's always, every t- she has massive white coat syndrome now every time she goes to a doctor. Um, and so I created Mom's Formula just for her because this, you know, this is a woman who religiously takes her multivitamins and yeah. fish oil and, you know, everything. So this is just another tablet that she adds to it and she takes it with her pills and it brings her down a notch. And the way we've heard it described is it's, um, it, 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 if you have anxiety in the driver's seat, you drop a mom's formula pill or tablet, um, it, the anxiety gets moved into the either the back seat or the trunk. You know, it it makes it manageable. It makes it, and, and it's not meant to get you high because my mom does, is not a woman who wants to get high. She went to college in the '60s, yeah. and I'm not even exaggerating. This actually happened. She was invited to a pot party, and she thought she was going to a Tupperware showing party. Like she's <laughs> she's exceedingly naive. In fact, she went to a school not too far from here, Woodbury University, when it was still in downtown LA. Um, but, uh, she, uh, yeah, she, she's not a woman who inebriates herself. Yeah. Um, my, and, and since then she's never been able to go to a, um, a Tupperware party. You know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd be so disappointed on the other side of it if I yeah. thought I was going to a pot party yeah, yeah. and I showed it up and it was your, a Tupperware party. Where, where the pot? Where's the pot? Your products are available. Yeah. 
everywhere? There are, uh, some places? Yeah, they're uh, th- available throughout Dr. California. Rob. Doc Rob Farms, yeah. Doc Rob Farms. Okay, yeah. and my last question, I was trying to squeeze in there. No, of course. Uh, you don't have to go on for too long about this. Is um, mm, Try. Do you get a hangover? <laughs> so so <coughs> one thing we've come to find out, actually, is Mom's Farm is a great hangover cure. Okay. Um, don't ask how we figure no, I mean, that does, out. Does, does uh, smoking give you a hangover? Cannabis, if you have a tremendous amount of it, can give you a groggy feeling. Okay. But other than that, you don't feel hangover. You feel right as rain when you wake up. And a stomach ache from all the food you ate with it. That right. is also correct. You might gain yeah. a couple LBs. but yeah. uh, Well, uh, we, we know pizza was invented to go along with. Pretty much. <laughs> that was the basic rule. By, by um, uh, you... you um, you smoked a J, mm-hmm. and then you went out for pizza. Yeah. And when you went out for pizza, you had a beer. Yeah. So the, the equivalent was all there. And, and that was the best tasting pizza you've ever had. <laughs> Until the next time when you smoke a J and go out for a pizza. And that Dr. was the best pizza Dr. you've ever Dr. had. Dr. Rob, you're a pleasure. Jace, thank you for being the, a great sidekick. Joanna, of course. Phil, as always. It's Meryl Schindler. It's High on the Hog. And remember, you can, you can hear us on... The internet all over the place. We're, wherever good podcasts are played, we're, we're on there. Every um, station you can imagine, just Google Hot the Hot the Podcast. Podcast. Instagram, podcast. Instagram. Yeah, someone's going to put in a. Tell a friend. Someone's going to put in a podcast, and it's going to be all about raising uh, swine. It's <laughs> <laughs> Schindler. We'll be back next time. Find the Hog. It's your one place to find information about medical cannabis about the stuff that's really the talk of the world. Find us on iTunes, find us on Amazon, find us on the internet. High in the Hog, the podcast.com. That's High in the Hog, the podcast.com. Tell a friend.